Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey everyone, thank you for joining me for episode number 56 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. My name is Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. As a quick reminder, you can find detailed show notes for this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 56. You know, successful business writers, freelance writers often get to a point where they have to make a difficult decision. Should you keep operating as a solo business, as a one-person shop, or should you scale and build something bigger, perhaps much bigger? If you know you're not cut out to be an entrepreneur, you know, you just just cringe at the idea of building something beyond yourself, building a business with with people, whether they're employees or contractors and, and project managing things, you, you're probably better off as a solo business. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I would say that most people fall into this category. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Nobody ever said that if you're going to be a freelance writer, the next logical step is to scale beyond that. But if you think you would love the challenges and the rewards of building a mini content development agency of of sorts, this idea might be worth exploring, the idea of scaling your business beyond a one-person operation. And in this week's episode, I'm going to interview someone who's done just that. His name is Paul McKeon. He's the founder of The Content Factor. And Paul is a B2B tech marketing veteran who has built one of the most respected and successful marketing content agencies in the southeastern United States and really in the U.S. in general and especially in the tech marketing arena. And in this interview, he's going to share how he built his agency, which just turned 10 years old, by the way, how he works with his writers, what challenges he's faced over the years in growing, and how to determine if this business model is for you. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. Whether or not you've thought about going in this direction, I think this is a really insightful talk. Paul is a super guy, very generous with with this information. So let's get right to it, and I'll come back at the end with a couple of quick announcements. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Ed, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So for, for those who don't know you or not familiar with your work and, and your organization, why don't we start by telling us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, your, your company, The Content Factor. Uh, sure, Ed. Well, uh, I'm a, uh, a 30-year veteran, if you will, of, uh, of marketing, marketing communications and technology. I uh, if you've been in Atlanta a long time, you may remember a company called uh, Hayes Microcomputer Products. They in- basically invented the computer modem, and I was an early hire there in the early 80s and uh, worked at Hayes for a few years and then left to start a uh, advertising and public relations agency called Crescent Communications. It was uh, primarily devoted to high technology businesses, and we uh, Grew that and built that uh, throughout the 1990s, and in 1997, we sold that to uh, Ketchum Public Relations, mm-hmm. and I became a partner at Ketchum and ran their uh, global technology practice. So that so that's my my background, and uh, all throughout those stints, um, 
I've always had a lot of uh, writers working for me. Back then, uh, it was known as close copy contact, put the people that uh, are putting the words together in close uh, contact with the clients rather than having a more general account manager carry the ball back and forth, if you will. So I've always valued uh, content, always valued writing. And uh, in about 2004, we'd done a lot of digital marketing at Ketchum. I was responsible for that. But I left and I started the content factor, uh, which is mostly about uh, creating digital content, if you will. Okay, and that was about ten years ago. And right. um, I'm, I'm curious, what was your your biggest motivation for starting the content factor? That was a pretty big move for you. It was a big move, and uh, you know, like a lot of things in life, you just kind of uh, fall into it. Uh, somebody asked me to me personally to write their website and I did and I didn't think anything of it and uh, they came back about a month later and they said that was the best uh, website writing we've ever seen and I said oh really well (laughs) I didn't think much about it so um, but that got me to thinking is is there a uh, is there a business here Um, and so um, we, we formed a business called the content factor in 2004, late 2004, to create primarily digital content for, uh, you know, marketing purposes. So the, the business got started doing websites, white papers, blog posts, all that, all that sort of thing, and it's it's grown since then. So it's what's interesting here is that um, you know most people at that point would either kind of go solo. Uh, or, 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 you know, if they're going to start something, it's going to be kind of a full fledged agency model, but you are very, very focused on, on developing, uh, written content, I think at first, correct. And, and it yeah. was an agency model, but just with written content. That's, that's, that's correct. And, uh, very focused, very niched. And what we wanted to do was sort of bring a, uh, a professional services approach to, um, to content development or contract writing is, as you know, from your work, Ed, uh, a lot of the work gets done by uh, individuals and freelancers, which is fine. And there are many great ones out there and they do fantastic work, but they can only handle so much work. And, you know, if, uh, if they want to go on vacation or somebody's uh, girlfriend's in town or whatever, then uh, if they're busy, the work sort of stops. So what we try to do is build a professional services firm where we could go after larger clients, if you will, and uh, not skip a beat and and basically build in uh, project management, workflow, uh, built-in editing and proofing services. So the whole gamut, if you will, of of services beyond just what one individual typically does. That that was sort of the business, uh, our value proposition. Yeah, that that makes sense. And and, I mean, I think you kind of answered this my next question to some degree but let me kind of throw it to you in a different way so one of the things about being a freelancer right is that you are the product you know you you are you're selling yourself but when you're you're an agency or a content house it's no longer about your your style or your track record as, as an individual writer um, so can you tell us a little bit more about that and what you've learned about this since you started writing? It sounds like your, one of your big value proposition was that you could offer this and, and it was reliable and you had systems and processes. But tell me a little bit more about clients and, and 
you know, when they're used to working with someone individually and they're buying them, now working with someone where they're not really sure what they're going to get in, in that, terms of style. Right. Now, that's, that's very good. We have, uh, so we have several larger clients where we might have three or four different people on the team. Uh, one company that we work for is a company called Blackboard. You may know them. They're the leader in uh, oh, yeah. e-learning educational software. And uh, right now, I have uh, three of my folks working on projects for them, um, and they don't expect necessarily a different style uh, or method with each one of those people. They they expect and get the uh, the content factor style and approach. So, uh, because that's what they want, and that's what they become accustomed to. So. That that's challenging for me because you know everybody is a little bit different. Everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. So um, there's an institutionalization, if you will, uh, albeit on a small scale. We're we're not uh, IBM or anything, but we have to have uh, standards. We have to you know have the same uh, style book. We have to you know when we when we label our documents and brand our documents. They all look the same, and, and, and it needs to look like it came from the same mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we work hard at that. It's not easy. Uh, but, but the folks that we have working with us understand that. And uh, now that's not to say that I know that, you know, so-and-so has different skills in one area and not in another, and, and we deploy them based on the project. But nonetheless, they're they represent the content factor, and that's what the client—that's what the client is—is—is is, is buying, if you will. So, that makes sense. That makes. Yeah. Sense. So, t- uh, tell me about the, in the early years. Um, h- how did you find good writers to, to get the the practice going, well, and and then what types of writers have you found sure. work best with this model? What's well, a good good question? Uh, of course, early on, um, folks that I had worked with before or knew. And uh, that's basically how we got started. And, and, and some of those are still um, with me. There's a, a gentleman that I work with, Jay Tillinghast. I don't know if you know Jay or not, but no, uh, huh. he's worked with me on and off for 25 years. Just a fantastic writer. Um, but, uh, you know, that that's how we got started. But but then it it more or less is just networking and and uh, a lot of the folks that work with us now are you know folks we've met in the last three or four years and the way we do it Ed is to uh, interview people and then the only way to really find out if there's if there's a you know if chemistry is to is to give someone a project and we do that and we give folks projects and we we test their skills and you know, their not only their writing ability, but their thinking ability. I mean, I think my, one of my things is the best best indicator of a good writer is a clear thinker. Mm-hmm. So um, we we test that and we see how they do, and then if that goes well, then we expand expand from there. But you know, there are all sorts of different writers, as you know. So I have a couple people on my team that have reporting backgrounds. They're just fantastic uh, reporters. They've been with newspapers. They can listen. They can pull out a story. They're, they're just wonderful. Uh, but if there is no story, which sometimes there isn't, uh, then they're in trouble because their skills are reporting. And then I have other folks who are much better at uh, creating 
when there's nothing and understanding the significance of something and picking up on something and then riffing that out as a story. So those are just two extremes, but it, it really all depends on the assignment and the skill level. But, but uh, we have a variety of people here. They're strong people. They're all experienced. Um, they've been around the block. And, and most importantly, they're, they're, they, you, can, you can put them on an interview with an executive and uh, they acquit themselves well. Uh, they come across well, good, good listening skills, good interviewing skills, and uh, they won't embarrass the client, which is something that uh, is, is very important to us. Yeah, yeah, that's a, and, and that's sometimes difficult to find, right? Somebody who's not right. just a great writer, but right. presents themselves well. Right, exactly, because that's half the battle. The client, our client is often a, a marketing a VP or somebody, but cannot be on a meeting or a call and we have to interview somebody, and uh, they count on us for a certain level of, you know, professionalism, but but also just uh, astuteness and uh, experience, if you will. So that's that's a big part of what we sort of try to portray. So I'm curious in terms of um, the, the mix that you have. Are most of your writers working almost exclusively for the content factor, or is is it kind of a mix? It's kind of a mix. We have, uh, and, it, and it comes and goes. We have a few that uh, are exclusively working with us now, but then uh, a, a fair number. And, and I would say that uh, right now we are uh, working, engaged with uh, eight, eight, eight folks are working with us. Okay. And uh, mostly, uh, many of those have other assignments or they have some other other freelance assignments, but we keep them uh, very, very busy uh, and have for years, so so that you know we get uh, preference and uh, they they like the assignments. The other thing that I think is important in any business, but with writers, is to give people challenging assignments where they're going to learn something or they're going to be able to make a difference. Just cranking out, you know, stuff. Uh, anybody gets tired of. So we make a point to keep it to keep it fresh, to mix it up, and to get to get some challenging assignments, which which generally we do. It, you know, it's these are the things that I would never think about, right? Because, I, and I'm sure you've learned that along the way. It's uh, it, it's not you're not just trying to crank this out and, and beat people up, <laughs> uh, right? They, they're they're right. going to burn out really quickly, right? And they're not going to be any good. You're you're better. Uh, when you're learning, you're, you're actually better when you don't know something because you put more energy into it. If it's just something you've done a hundred times before, then, then I think you, you lose, you lose something. So yeah, each one. And that's why I personally like this business because there's always something fresh. There's always some new issue or twist or something that, that, that you're always learning. So, so I appreciate that personally. So it's you have eight writers working with you right now. It sounds like a lot of them have been with you for a while. Can you give me an a sense for how often you bring someone new on board? It sounds like you um, you, you try to keep the good people as long as you can. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say uh, a tough question to a- answer, but. Uh, in the last couple of years, maybe we've we've sort of uh, engaged with uh, three or four new people a year, mm-hmm. and and you know frequently that 
sometimes that goes someplace and sometimes it doesn't. And it's not always the, the fault of uh, the writer or the skill level. It could be the fact that uh, the assignment that, you know, was going to be, you know, a huge assignment doesn't materialize or, you know, the client just gets what he wants and, you know, we don't hear from him again. There, there's different reasons, as you know, being in the business yourself. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I would say that, you know, three, four, five times a year, I'm, I'm throwing out new projects and that might result in uh, one or two um, sort of regular, regular folks joining our team. But again, you know, part of it is we have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Silver is a guy that's worked with us now for seven or eight years. Jay has worked with us for the same amount of time. Um, we just tend to keep keep folks around and they like it and uh you know it works well for everybody so i'm I'm curious about project management you've alluded to some of that uh already mm-hmm. but uh tell me a little bit about how you handle project management within the company sure well there's two people that do it uh i do uh i do some of it and then i have a uh executive vice president diane maxson who who does a lot of it too and uh you know, we have uh, the, the requisite uh, Excel uh, spreadsheets. You know, with uh, all of the all of the columns and rows, and we keep track of uh, what stage it's in, who's working on it, where the approvals are, um, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we we also use uh, Basecamp if you're familiar with that. Oh yeah, yeah. So we use Basecamp, and in particular with the. Uh, with the bigger projects, we'll we'll get some big websites where there might be, gosh, you know, a hundred pages to do, and 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 some of them go into five or six uh, versions each because everybody has to look at them. And and for things like that, you really need some structure and some collaboration with the client and amongst the various uh, writers. Sometimes on a project like that, we might have. Uh, might have three people working on that. So, um, so we, we, you know, Excel, uh, spreadsheets that are uploaded and downloaded from Basecamp are prim- our primary, uh, tool. But, um, you know, we have other, other, other ways to do it as well, but that, that's, it's, it's not probably not as sophisticated as it should be. <laughs> well, works. I think everyone feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. In, in, in terms of, um, you mentioned earlier that you have a way that you do things and people, clients know that there's a process. Um, right. so I assume that you have your writers kind of fought, let's take a white paper for instance. Well, maybe they're yep. used to going about it a certain way, but if they're working right. with you, you know, is right. there a process that they have to follow? Well, we, uh, we, we give them the process up front because, you know, it helps them. And, uh, the first thing we, you know, so we would tell people say, well, how long will this take? And we, we typically, uh, will tell a, a person that a, a good white paper will take, uh, six weeks to two months to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that includes design and everything production. That includes design and everything. And, and it builds in, uh, a lot of time again for usually we can turn things pretty quickly, but on the client side, even, you know, they, there's different people that have to review things. They have other priorities. So we tend to build in a lot more time for them to 
review and edit and revise than what they think they need up front. And invariably, we're 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 right on that. So, uh, you know, we go through a very typical uh, uh, discovery phase, if you will, series of interviews, and uh, and then we we almost never create the outline until after we've done all the discovery. Some some folks will already, you know, want to do an outline, but but we don't know what we don't know. And there's always some great uh, insights or nuggets that frequently could take it something like a white paper in a completely different direction. So we do all the discovery, then we do the outlining and the abstracts. We we put a lot of uh, emphasis, Ed, right up front into uh, teasers, headlines, and abstracts because on the web, uh, it's not the only thing that matters, but it's almost the only thing that matters because. Mm-hmm. Uh, people see these things uh, and they're either going to crack it open and fill out the form or spend the time based on that, you know, 10 second review of what's in it for me. So we put a lot of emphasis on that and we, we, you know, we, we kind of write these, these kinds of papers with, with that in mind, because if nobody opens it or nobody downloads it, it, it doesn't, doesn't do anybody any good. So, um, Anyway, so then we uh, we go back and forth on the outline, and then uh, by that point, the process is fairly well vetted, and, and uh, the writers don't like to hear me say this, but at that point, the writing is the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. It's, yeah. If you've done that work, the writing just right. kind of does itself. Right, uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, uh yeah. So that. So then, and then there's back and forth on that, and then finally there is uh, the the production part of it, which uh, sometimes we do through a partner company. We don't have you know designers on staff, but we have two good partner companies that do that. And then uh, sometimes the client will do it. It just depends. And then, do you uh, typically have the writer uh, stay in contact with the client during the review process, the revisions process, or are you always involved in the middle? Uh, no, but it, it depends, but uh, frequently it's the writer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of what we do too, and I, and I is, is, uh, we do art direction. So, you know, we are, while we may not be building the little, you know, infographic y looking image that goes with it, we are, we are art directing it and, and providing the data and, uh, giving suggestions on the style and all that, because that's, that I think is, is very important and is becoming even more important. These papers, as you know, are going away from long-form narrative styles to more, um, you know, infographic-y, sort of scannable, uh, snackable information. And so a lot of the content is taking that form. So so we, we, we've gotten pretty good at sort of art directing and getting the research and giving an artist who, who might not be focused on information as a core skill, they may be focused on colors or design, but giving them the information and working with them to match up the information with the design. So that's that's increasingly becoming a a more important skill for uh, somebody that's in the content business. Oh, that's great! That's great. I'm sure that's a becoming a differentiator for for you guys. It's with with everything going more visual and attention right. spans waning. So, right. um, tell me a little bit about uh, whatever you feel comfortable discussing because I know you have a kind of a, a different compensation model for writers. Um, can can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure. Um, 
You know, what we do is that, uh, you know, I've been in the agency business a long time, and a lot of times if, if a freelancer works for an agency, um, they don't get paid until the agency gets paid. And uh, at least that was my experience. Maybe that's changed, but I don't think too much. So if I'm the agency is working for a client and sends an invoice, and then that invoice doesn't get paid for 45 days, then the, the freelancer is on the end of that. And so, you know, frequently it could be 60, 90 days from the time the work is done till the check is, is received. And, and we don't do it that way. The minute we, uh, we build a client, which is uh, usually twice a month, the uh, uh, the writers get paid far far ahead of when we collect because you know I want to have good people working for me and I want to pay them on a regular basis and uh, we assume the business risk of the client relationship the the writer should not have to do that so that that maybe is a little bit different uh, maybe not but uh, it's, people it like is that. From- from what I've seen, it is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People like that; they get paid, and I think that's why we've been able to uh, attract and retain some good, some good people. And so, I assume if you're so if you're invoicing every couple of weeks, you're you're paying the writer based on uh, work to date at that point, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's either depends on the client. It's either uh, once a month we bill or twice a month. It depends. It depends on the client and their you know, their payment history, if you will. But, but yeah. Okay. So, so, so typically they're not, a, a writer is never more than, uh, you know, if they did a piece of work on the first of the month, they're getting a check at the latest on the first of the or third of the next month. So they're never more than 30 days out and usually much shorter than that. Yeah. In my experience, it's been, and I haven't worked for a lot of agencies, but mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of writers should do, and that's definitely unusual. Right. Um, Switching gears a little bit on you here as we wrap up, um, there are writers out there who are interested in this kind of model for themselves, meaning they're they're interested in creating nothing maybe as big as the content factor, but kind of starting a mini agency of their own. Who Mm -hmm. would you say this model is best suited for? If you're out there, you're a writer, you're very, very good, and you're interested in scaling your business this way, who who is this for? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, well, I, I guess one way I'd answer that is again, um, you can work uh, on the business or at the business. So, if you're a good writer, that's great. But if you want to build a business like this or any kind of business, really, you need to have some other skills too. Uh, you need to have some, you know, selling skills, marketing skills, networking skills. So. So it's not about just being a good writer at that point. It's about being uh, a good writer plus, you know, knowing how to keep a set of books, if you will. So if you're, if you're just a good writer and you're not interested in any of the business aspects of things, uh, don't do it. But if you like business and, uh, you know, the challenge of, of starting a business or growing a business beyond just your own, your own book of business, then it would be good. I mean, you have to do, Things you may you have to pick up the phone and ask people for money, you know, and you have to, uh, you know, you have to be a good editor. That's another thing. I mean, I spend a lot of my time editing, and uh, you, you know, editing skills are different than writing skills. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. You just you just need to have a, a bit a bit of a bit of more of a passion for business than just for 
for writing and I think then then uh then you can do then you can do it. Yeah, it sounds like it's uh you would almost be you're almost as good or maybe even better an entrepreneur than you are a writer. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. So yeah. Paul, how how can listeners learn more about you, more about the content factor? Where can I send them? Well, send them to uh contentfactor.com, factor, not factory, and uh there's a lot of information there. There's uh, information about our teams. There's samples. We're about to do a major uh, update on our website, but there's plenty of information there. And if anybody wants to uh, drop me an email, it's uh, pmckeon, P-M-C-K-E-O-N, at contentfactor.com. Well, thanks so much, Paul. I appreciate you coming on today. Ed, thank you. It's good to reconnect with you, and I appreciate the time. Thank you. Well, there you go, folks. For those of you who have been thinking about going in this direction or exploring this idea a little more, it's perfect proof that it could be done. And I think a couple of things that I walked away with is the fact that, first of all, you have to be entrepreneurial. You know, you don't just you can't just be a great writer. You know, you have to go out there. You have to hustle. You have to look for business. And in fact, you have to do this as a solo writer, as a, as a freelance writer. But in this case, you're building something bigger. And you have writers who are kind of depending on you, even if they're working with you on a contract basis. You have a pipeline to fill that's much greater than you typically have to fill uh, as a one-man shop. The other thing that it really came across is the fact that Paul really leverages relationships. You know, this is this is the kind of business to consider if you have relationships out there, because at the end of the day, I mean, if you really want to get started as quickly as possible and get some great wins that are going to propel you to the next level, you really have to reach out to your network. Not that it can't be done otherwise, but I think that uh, that was definitely part of Paul's success. So if you enjoyed that interview, I wanted to remind you that the detailed show notes are posted at b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 56. So if you missed anything, it's kind of a quick summary of what Paul talked about. And I also wanted to remind you that my products page is now live. So if you've been meaning to enroll in one of my programs on getting clients or launching your business or improving your daily productivity by 30% or more, you can learn more about these programs at b2blauncher.com forward slash products. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you shared it with friends or colleagues who could benefit from it. The easiest way to do that is just to use any of the social media sharing buttons that you'll find on the show notes page. So that brings us to the end of the episode. I am your host, Ed Gandia. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have an awesome day. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.